My name is Alex Barthet. I am a board certified construction attorney here in South Florida. So um, let's start with payment bond claims. How and when do I make a payment bond claim? So understand that a payment bond secures a leaner's right to payment in situations on private jobs when the job is bonded. Not every private job is bonded, but some are. Um, and most public jobs are bonded, but not every public job is in fact bonded. So when the bond exists, you have a right to make a claim on that payment bond. And the reason is, is that it keeps the property free and clear of liens. So your lien doesn't attach to the property, it attaches to the bond. How do you know if a job is bonded? Um, reference to that bond on public on private jobs should be referenced in the notice of commencement and on public jobs in florida where there may not be a notice of commencement a copy of the bond is still supposed to be recorded in the public record now uh, for all of you that use sunray construction solutions if you want to know if a job is bonded yourself they will do the research for you but if you ask them they will be happy I'm sure to send you a copy of the notice of commencement or bond for you to verify yourself. They have a crack team of researchers um, that can find all of the recorded documents applicable to your project. Um, so let's go over the rules so everyone understands how to make a claim on a payment bond. So step number one, you need to serve a notice to contractor within 45 days of your first work. Now, the notice to contractor is a lot like a notice to owner. In fact, if you use Sunray, what they use is what's called a combined form. It combines the notice to owner form and the notice to contractor form. If you actually ever look at the form, when they send you a copy, you'll notice that it actually is titled notice to owner slash notice to contractor. It covers both projects that you can lean as well as projects that you have a claim against the payment bond. So this needs to be um, received no later than 45 days from your first work on the project. Now, there is one exception, and we're going to talk about several exceptions. But if you have a contract with the bonded contractor, you technically don't need to send this notice to contractor. So again, let's let me make sure we're all on the same page. You're doing work on either a private project that has a bond, so the GC got a payment bond, or a public project in which the GC got a bond. And let's say you're the plumber and you have a contract with this bonded contractor. You technically do not need to serve this 45-day notice, this notice to contractor. My advice to you is you should absolutely do it. Our best advice to our clients and our most successful clients employ this advice is they set up a threshold in their office, whether it's $500, $2,000, $5,000, whatever number you want internally. And you just say, every job over that amount, we're gonna send a notice, um, no questions asked. And the clients that we have, uh, our most successful clients in their ability to collect past due balances are ones that do that. They just follow a strict rule. They don't try to figure out, well, actually, I don't need it on this job. I need it on this job. So um, 
it's not it's not worth trying to to do that analysis. Um, just set a set a threshold and go with it. However, if something fell through the cracks and you realize, oh, we didn't send a notice on this job, just know that one of the exceptions in the lien law is that if you have a direct contract with the bonded contractor, you don't need to send this first 45-day notice. There are some other exceptions as well. If a notice of commencement is supposed to be recorded, but it's not, or if reference to the bond is not given in the notice of commencement, in the notice of commencement, there's a little spot that says um, who the surety is supposed to be. If the job is bonded, but that section is blank. Um, if on a public project, the bond is never recorded, um, or the lien or is not otherwise notified in writing of the existence of the bond, if those things happen, then the 45 days that you're supposed to send this notice doesn't even start to run. Let me give you a very specific example. We represented a sub subcontractor on a bonded public job. So he's the sub subcontractor. So he needed to send this 45 day notice. He didn't. Something happened in his office. Um, he was switching between one administrative assistant to another and they missed it. Fast forward to the end of the job. He's now demobilized from the job, job that started a year ago. He's owed $100,000. The subcontractor that owes him the $100,000 is now filed for bankruptcy. He didn't send his first notice. He comes to me and he says, Alex, I really screwed this thing up. We never sent our notice. Subcontractor went out of business. I have no lien rights. It's $100,000. I said, don't worry, let's do some research. We do some research and we learn that the job is bonded. It's a public job, but it turns out that number three on this list uh, didn't happen. Um, it was a public job, but the, but the contractor failed to record a copy of the bond. As such, the 45 days didn't even start to run on the first notice. Remember, we're done with the job. So what do we do? We immediately serve our notice to contractor. Um, the next day we serve our notice of non-payment. The day after that, we file our lawsuit. Fast forward to the end, about four months later, the client, uh, we successfully settle the case. He gets his $100,000, he gets all his legal fees, he gets all his interest because the contractor made a mistake and did not record a copy of the bond, which exposed them or their surety to having to um, be liable for this claim. So these are some exceptions that you need to be aware of and the reason I give you these examples is just because you think you may not have lien or bond rights, know that there are lots of exceptions in the lien law that are worth investigating because maybe in fact you do. So we talked about the first notice, 45 days. Let's talk about the next notice. Step two, serve the notice of non-payment within 90 days of your last work on the job. Remember that 90 days is not three months. I'm gonna let that sink in for a minute, right? Some months have more than 30 days. Some months have fewer than 30 days. As a result, you should not be counting June 7th, July 7th. Um, you need to count the number of days. You count every day starting the day after your last day of work. Every day, including all weekends and legal holidays. On the 90th day, if the 90th day lands on a weekend, uh, or legal holiday, it gets rolled to the next business day. 
That's how you count the 90 days. Last work does not include punch list or warranty work. So if you finish work and then you go back and you're the painter and you touch up, it's not when you did the touch up, it's when you actually finish your work. That's when the 90 days start. Now, in October of 2019, which seems like eons ago, um, the notice of non-payment form changed. Sunray has all of the most current forms, um, but I remind everyone of this because even today, I am getting clients who are still using the old form. So the notice, and I'm gonna show you the form in, in just a minute. The notice must be under oath, unlike the old form, and it has to include um, the nature of the nature of the labor or services performed or to be performed, materials furnished or to be furnished, the amount paid on the account, the amount owed, and if known, the amount to become due. It also must include, um, must specify the portion of the amount claimed for retainage, if there is any. And here is what the form looks like. Um, and again, if you use Sunray, they have the, the proper form. Um, this form is substantially different than the old form, mainly because it has a lot more information and it is notarized. Um, again, we will provide this presentation to everyone so uh, you will get this form. But again, if you use Sunray for your notice of non-payment, they're using this proper form in the state of Florida. Um, the reason this change was made is that in the lien law, if you included information improperly in your notice, uh, in your lien, your lien was fraudulent. That didn't exist for bond claims. This change now makes it such that improper or incorrect information in your notice of non-payment makes it fraudulent. It is a complete defense to a bond if it is determined that your notice of non-payment is fraudulent. And how is it determined fraudulent? They're using the same rule as the fraudulent lien rule, which is if it is willfully exaggerated in the amount, willfully includes a claim for work not performed or materials not furnished or prepared in a manner such that the notice was done with willful or gross negligence. Um, if those things are found by the court, then your notice of non-payment is no good. However, minor mistakes do not make itself, do not by itself make the notice of non-payment fraudulent. Um, and all the cases dealing with what a fraudulent lien are can be used to determine what a fraudulent notice of non-payment is. Aside from being fraudulent, notices that do not contain the required information or are not notarized and do not track this, the new form are probably going to be ineffective. And, I, and again, I bring all of this up because we still are finding today, years after the statute changed, that people are using the wrong form. So step three, file suit on the bond within one year of your last work. Um, so those are the three steps on how to secure your rights on a payment bond claim. Thanks. Have a great day, everybody.